Welcome to Wednesday, June 10th. We're back with you with weird weather, Jen. Yeah, really weird. What's happened to our weather here? I don't know. It's yeah, really humid it's, and it's gloomy. It's gloomy and balmy and uh, yeah. But you know what? The, the, the previous two days were really hot. Did yeah. you like that? No, I'm, I didn't like this weather at all. Yeah. Well, where you live, it doesn't get as hot as it does here. No. So you're okay there, right? Yeah, but the humidity is like my enemy. Yeah, you don't like it, huh? No. I know women don't like it because it freezes their hair, right? Well, it's not just that. It's just like you feel greasy and sticky and like mm-hmm. my face is shinier than normal and I just don't like it. <laughs> I haven't noticed the uh, humidity that much, actually. I mean, you can sort of like smell it in the air, but I haven't. You know, I haven't really felt it that bad. Uh, but you're used to humidity, right? Coming from Miami and stuff. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm used to it, but... Well, maybe you, used to, maybe you don't like it, but you probably are used to I, it. I mean, I, it's, it's been eight years since I've lived at home, <laughs> though, so I think I'm, like, unaccustomed now. Yeah. It's easy to forget, huh? Yes. Very. <laughs> you know, when people, like, move from the cold weather to the hot weather and their blood thins? Right. It's like that. I see. Okay. So you totally adapted to the West Coast now. Yes. Cool. So in a few minutes, we're going to get to our guest who's uh, here in the studio with us. And uh, we'll just sort of like try to catch up on a few things. Yeah. Uh, we weren't here the past couple of days for personal reasons. and uh, But now things are back to normal and... And we're okay. Things are still normal. I still sleep three and a half hours a night. So, (laughs) God, yesterday was just totally bad for me. I mean, I really didn't sleep that much the previous night. So, you know, my mom was in the hospital and stuff, too. So I was kind of, like, worried and and that, you know. But she's out. She's fine. And she's back to her cigarettes again. Oh, So, yeah. And she went in because she couldn't breathe. Right. Yeah. So she could wait to get out of the hospital to smoke a cigarette. Yes. Well, what can you do? It just shows you what this addiction, how strong it is. You mm-hmm. know, people don't pay that much attention to tobacco and stuff. But, uh, yeah. Um, so how are you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah, have you accomplished a lot? I mean, you had like four days to accomplish a lot. The weekend and the past two days. Yes. Uh, <laughs> What's that smile? I don't know. What do you mean by accomplish? Uh, I don't know, because you usually accomplish a lot on the weekends and and, uh, so forth. You do a lot of different things. I do a lot of things, yes. That's good, yeah. Um, Yes, I had a friend's birthday over the weekend, and I saw girlfriends, and I worked a little bit. And that's about it. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So it sounds like the same, more of the same. Yes. But uh, yeah, nothing unusual or no. anything. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, no news is good news in, in, as far as I'm concerned. Yes. You know? And no mail is good mail also because mail is usually bills and, <laughs> and envelopes with windows. Um, uh, so... There was something I want. Oh, so I went to the Doobie Brothers concert. Oh yeah, how was that? Uh, that sucked actually. That was my review on Facebook. Uh, pretty much, it sucked. And uh, you know, you go to a concert 
you expect the hits, you expect the songs you're familiar with. Yeah. You want to connect with the band. I could not connect with them at all. It's as though they were being self-indulgent, just playing the stuff that they liked. They were jamming, and as though they were like in a private session or something. Oh. They, it's like I felt they didn't care for the audience. It started with a, an obscure song. I mean, why not? You know, I can understand where people where bands and, and performers will leave like the best stuff for the end because they want you to stay. Mm-hmm. But I don't get that. You know, I mean, I didn't stay because they wouldn't play it. Right. There should you be know? a good mix. Yeah, it. exactly. You got to start with your biggest, most powerful hit to get everybody in the mood. Yeah. So that did not happen. And uh, so I got frustrated, you mm-hmm. know. And then after about an hour, we left and... Uh, supposedly they played some of the songs as we were walking to the car but still uh, at that point I'd lost interest completely and that is one of my favorite bands too so that was disappointing in that but uh, the experience of going to a concert is always cool you eat all the junk food there that costs like 20 bucks a hot dog or something I don't know why we do it it's, but it's just part of the the whole thing it's part know? of it funnel cakes and stuff yeah. I had a funnel cake for the first time Man, is that good. Yeah, that is good. When it just comes out, you know, and it's hot and and piping hot and stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, it melts in your mouth. I used to have them when I would go to, like, the fair. Yeah. Yeah, they're really good. Yeah, they have them at fairs and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so it was nice. You know, of course, an older crowd, but um, what am I, right? I'm not a kid. But there were some some young people. I mean, you always... Because some music lives on, you know? Yes. I mean, some kids grow up with, like, their parents' music, too, so that's, That's like, they're a fan of it. That's true. So I think my... Well, the exception is my kids. They grew up with it, but they still... I was offering the tickets to them because... Uh, my mom had gone to the hospital and neither one was interested <laughs> thanks dad but no thanks we've got other plans alright I'm sure if it was somebody else they'd go yeah what can you do uh, but yeah, there's an upcoming concert I'm tempted to go to and that's the band's Yes and Toto uh, two classics and I'm sure that one's going to be better you know if you if one screws up maybe the other one will be okay yeah you know but what they did have here uh, the opening act was Don Felder from the Eagles and uh, I'm not sure whether he's still with them or not but apparently he must have rights to a lot of the songs because his entire concert was Eagles songs well that's cool at least you got to see yeah. that yeah so that was actually better than the Doobie Brothers sometimes it works out that way. I know. The crowd seemed to be more involved. So what can I do, you know? And it's so funny how people will light up joints and, and pipes in the middle of the concert. I mean, there's people sitting. It, it's like so crowded. People sitting right next to you. And you light one up and it's like everybody can smell it. Yeah. You know? I mean, I have trouble going to the top of the bleachers and, and trying to smoke there so somebody will not smell it. But it's funny in concerts, you know. You people do that; they don't Anything really goes. care. Anything goes, man. Anything, especially goes. outdoor concerts. Yeah, exactly. So people don't care, you know. I guess people are forgiving too when they go to a concert. Absolutely. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I don't know. But I just assume like we're outdoors and people do what they do. So yeah, exactly. You know. So uh, also, I've been uh, doing some uh, Uber driving. That's been pretty interesting. I'm learning new things every day, mm-hmm. and uh, but it's uh, it's tricky, you know. I mean, there's a lot of things you need to know, 
and they give you a map with like where the prim- the prime areas are like at certain times like west hollywood is always busy sometimes the west side so you'll get like a rate and a half or sometimes double so it's tempting to go there but what happens is it changes like by the minute yeah you know so suddenly the area is not red anymore and you're on your way there so i'm starting to realize just do it wherever you are you know yeah don't try to chase that so um I got some interesting people. Last night, I got this guy, these two guys. This guy was so talkative, but he smelled like booze the whole time, and I thought I was dying. You know, <laughs> I started feeling drunk just from hearing him in the car. So, um, and then, and then I believe one of them farted because I had to open the window. Oh boy! So these are the things that happen. You know that you have to learn about as things progress. Right. You know? But uh, but for the most part, I'm enjoying it. I didn't realize I would. Weren't you only going to do it on the weekends? Yeah. Well, no, evenings and weekends. Oh, evenings. Yeah. So, I mean, there were a couple of days where I tried to do it during the day, and I got stuck in such terrible traffic Yeah. You know that I thought, I'm never going to do that again. So at night, it's, it's enjoyable. If you like driving, then it's perfect. You, know, you don't have to be in traffic. And you go and you see different places. I mean, I saw some parts of Brentwood last night that I never knew even existed. And But it was dark. You know, it's nighttime, so you don't see much. But I thought I was in the Pacific Palisades already, and it was still Brentwood, oh. she told me, the passenger. So, yeah, you get to see a lot of different areas. I ended up in Manhattan Beach the other night. and stuff. Wow, so, that's yeah, a long drive. It is. Because <laughs> you never know where you'll end up. You yeah. Know. So, yeah, so that's cool. So, okay, well, let's get to our guest now who's sitting here patiently and uh, preparing for a long talk here. We have a very special guest in the studio, and we have uh, Liz Crockett. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks so much for having me, you guys. Of course. Uh, very beautiful. Thank you for coming Aww, in. You're so sweet. <laughs> no, I'm well, blushing already. You know, you get, well, you got to tell them as you see them, you know. That's why. <laughs> and, and we're on radio, so people can't. Can't see you, you know, so we have to yeah. describe, you know. Although we're not going to describe other than say you're beautiful. That's enough, right? I could be sitting you're... here topless for all everyone knows. <laughs> it's true. That's the beauty of radio. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Theater of the mind, you know, just make them imagine things. So, um, well, welcome to the show. Thank you. Are you originally from L.A.? No, I'm from Chicago. I'm a Midwest girl. Really? Meat and potatoes girl, yes. A lot of Chicago people here. Have you met some? There are. Yes, all over the place. Ever since I arrived, it seems like whenever I'm anywhere, I always find Chicago people. Uh I don't know if I gravitate towards them or what, but there's a lot of There's just a lot of them here, yeah. (laughs) What's that frigid cold winter that, you know? We, we all are trying to flee. So. Right. So L.A. is a pretty good motivation for you to move just because of the weather. Oh, absolutely. Well, mainly of, because of the weather. Well, especially these past two winters. These past two winters, Chicago has had record, you know, freezing winters. Really? Yeah. Wow. Like, I don't know if it was this past winter. I think it was either this one or the one before. I think it was the, the coldest winter since, like, 1920 or something <laughs> okay. crazy like that. How long have you been in L.A.? I've been here for five years. Really? So, so, and what made you uh, move? Well, um, you, you, we mentioned the weather, but I'm sure that was not the only I reason. I actually didn't want to move here. I, really? I've been working, you know, ever since I, uh, my early 20s, I've been working in entertainment journalism. I've 
been working at all various different um, tabloid magazines, ranging from Star Magazine, Us Weekly Magazine. Um, but I worked initially as uh, the Midwest editor for these magazines um, in, from Chicago, and I also had a column in the Chicago Tribune's Red Eye Edition, and did radio and TV there. So it's kind of a big fish in small ponds. Um, and was really happy with it, but um, you know, long story short. I ended up losing my column when the Chicago Tribune went into bankruptcy and the economy went really bad and um, I was getting job offers to at different magazines, but they all were like, there's not enough celebrity news for you to do what we want you to do and, sh- and live in Chicago. So it was either, you know, move to L.A. and keep making good money or stay in Chicago freezing right. and unemployed. So yeah. I was like, I guess I'm moving to L.A. But honestly, I've been here so many times only for events, though. So I'd come right. here for, I don't know, the Grammys or something like that. And every time I'd come here, I'd be like, this is so much fun. Everyone here is crazy. Everyone's on drugs. Like, there's, like, Looney Tunes everywhere. Like, I, I'm, I'm never moving here. Like, too weird. Like, Hollywood, you know. And then, sure enough, I end up moving here. And I'm like, oh, my God, I love it. Like, everyone's nuts. And, like, I fit in perfectly. So I'm like, why did I move here years ago? Like, this is great. So needless to say, I love it. So you're obviously a writer. Uh-huh. Uh, how long have you been writing professionally, let's say? Um, well, my first paying job as a journalist, I had many unpaying journalism jobs. Yeah, I can imagine. Many, but my first right. paying job, I think, was in 2002, and that uh-huh. was with the Chicago Tribune's um, City News Service. Uh-huh. So 2002, so what is it, 2015? That's that yeah, 13, 13 years. years right. uh, you know, I had done been published before that, though. Um so yeah, I've been writing for you know over a decade, but this is what I'm talking about today. Malice is my first novel. Uh-huh. So you know, and actually, I was explaining to Jen when you write, when you go to journalism school. I went to the University of Iowa. The very first thing that I learned in my first journal- journalism class, Journalism 101, is throw everything you've learned about writing out the window because in journalism, it's not creative writing. You, you don't want long descriptions. You want it short and sweet to the point. And to very the concise. point, right? However, so you know that's how I've written for years. But now right. writing this novel, I was so nervous to do it because I had to revert back to you know the opposite form of writing which is like more description the better and right like creative writing is what they call in college right and um yeah so i know it's quite different and people have like different writing styles as well Mm -hmm. so uh i know i know i mean and and you have to sort of like uh separate that in your mind as far as to what you're writing right because it's so different exactly yeah very interesting. So, so you started actually writing news and columns and things like that. Uh, how how were you able to get that first job? I mean, did you intern there or something? I, um, I had no, I I didn't. But before I had done so, I was so ambitious. When I was in high school, I did my first news internship when I was I think like seventeen. Wow. At Fox Chicago, I always knew I wanted to be a reporter, whether it was print or TV, radio. I just knew I wanted to be a reporter and. Um, um, I, I ended up working for Bill O'Reilly as an intern while I was in college. I ended up interning um, for the White House Press Corps in the White House before I finished college. So, you know, before I even got my diploma, I was I had a pretty good resume. And um, so 
when I the first job I got in Chicago, I think a lot of it had to do with all the experience I already had, you know, just right. from all those internships. Right, and your ability to write, obviously, you know, and that they can verify. Yeah, yeah. I, I gotta tell you though, like I thought when I graduated, I was a pretty good writer, but um, working for the Chicago Tribune's City News Service, <clears throat> excuse me, which is where Mike Royko started his career. They they humble you really fast. Really? Like <laughs> like their motto was, if your mom tells you that she loves you, like check it out, get it confirmed, like back up that source, like like that's funny. They're crazy, like right. but it was great because you know I I covered, I mean being in Chicago, unfortunately they covered a lot of homicides, gang related shootings, um, fires, car accidents. I worked the overnight shift, so I had to. You know, if there was a gang-related shooting in the middle of the night, have to drive this wow. horrible neighborhood and yeah. cover the crime scene. And then every morning, I, I'd go to the morgue to get the new medical examiner cases at 5 a.m., <laughs> literally go through the door where all the dead bodies are being brought in. Um, but that was an important part of my job because a lot of the cases were stories. You know, how these right. people died, why they died. You know, was it a murder? Like, you know, fire, whatever. So I, I learned so much. It was not the easiest job, right. especially when I worked the overnight shift. But I, it, I definitely learned so much. It was um, a, a great education. Yeah. So very cool. Now uh, today, like, I'm always fascinated with people that write headlines. Did you? Did they at the Chicago Tribune? Did they? Let different people do headlines, like even sometimes the the writers like you. Mm-hmm. Would you get to do a headline for your own story? You know what? I would write headlines, and I, it, like it usually never stuck. Really? <laughs> There's always, and I think that's true at newspapers, and that's true at magazines, or I know it's true because from my experience, at least, um, usually they will come up with their own headlines, or they'll, or they'll tweak the headline that you. You know, pitch. Um, right. But uh, but who's they? Else. The editors. Editors. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. So yeah. So um, yeah, because headlines are tricky. You know, you have to summarize the whole story mm-hmm. in just a few words. You know. Yeah. And it's cool. And then you have to write the lead, and then it it sort yeah. of like gets less important from there. Exactly. Whereas with the story, with creative writing, it's different. And it's we'll get exactly. to that. And we'll get to that. So um, so then he moved here. And uh, so what did, job did you take right away? Did you work for a major publication? I worked for Us Weekly as a, a reporter. Really? Um, oh. Initially. And I'd already worked for them as a freelancer. Um, but th- I, this was a staff position, so I was on staff. And um, so that was my first job in L.A. And I traveled a lot for the job. Um, I, I think my first assignment was, or one of my first when I was based here in L.A. was going to Alaska to cover Bristol Palin. Yeah. Um, I went to Canada to cover the Twilight Convention. (laughs) (laughs) I went to the Vampire Ball. Literally, there was a Vampire Ball I had to go to. That was interesting. Um, Yeah, I've been all over the world, actually. Very Covering, or maybe you want to call it stalking celebrities. Um, And then (laughs) after, I I, I also, since I've moved here, I've worked on staff at In Touch and Star Magazine as well. And one of the last assignments I did where I went out of town was to go to the Galapagos Islands to cover Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, which was definitely an assignment I didn't complain about. Going to the Galapagos Islands was pretty amazing. So... Yeah, it's been a it's been a really fun career, and I've got to do a lot of traveling to amazing places that normally I 
wouldn't have gone to if yeah. it wasn't for my job. Yeah, and probably met very interesting people as well oh, on so the many. way, right? Oh, my, so many amazing people, yeah. yes. So so you covered celebrities. I mean, did you get to meet some of them in person? Oh, absolutely. Really? I met so many. Oh, wow. So many. I mean, a lot of the big ones. Um, George Clooney, Johnny Depp, Angelina Jolie, Jennifer Aniston. Mm. Uh, I mean, I could go on and on for hours. So, I mean, how did you meet them? Were you going to, like, events where they attended and things like that? Um, Some of them I would be on a red carpet interviewing them, or I'd be exactly at an event that they attended. And some of them I literally would be you know, undercover, <laughs> like stalking <laughs> them. There was one time I was um, covering Jennifer Aniston in Chicago, and I kind of I kind of snuck in this party, but I was kind of friends with the people that were throwing the party, so I was kind of legitimately there. But, you know, Jennifer Aniston's people would not have been cool with me being there at the time I was working for one of the tabloids. I can't remember which one. <laughs> Anyways, I was hanging out with a bunch of the Chicago Bears players, and I was actually with Jim McMahon, who was one of the former yes, Bears players, him. Super Bowl Shuffle. Yeah, very eccentric. Yeah, totally yeah. cool guy. And yeah. I was sitting next to him and his wife and Jennifer Aniston when she was dating Vince Vaughn, was like throwing back shots, having a great old time. And I was nervous that she was going to recognize me and kick me out because <laughs> uh, she wasn't a fan of some of my stories. And, you know, my column, I had my picture in, in my newspaper column so right. people knew what I looked like. Right. And her bodyguards knew I looked like so. I was like, oh, God, I hope she doesn't throw me out. It'd be so mortifying. <laughs> and she was like, walked up to me when, I, and she like literally put her hands on my knees and she looked at me and she's like, oh, you're Jim McMahon's daughter. You're so beautiful. Like, she thought that Jim McMahon said that I was his, his daughter, daughter. And yeah. I was just like sitting there, like, uh huh, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, right. I was just so happy. Like, she didn't realize that I was like sitting there as a tabloid journal stalking her. Yeah. So I just kind of went with it. And then his wife was like, no, that's not our daughter. And I was like, uh, yeah, hey guys. Like, and Jenna was like, oh, no. Like, she was just having fun, like drinking like tequila shots. So there's been a lot of, you know, situations like that. Right. <laughs> Very cool. For those of you just joining us, we're talking to Liz Groken. Uh, she's a writer, and we're going to talk about her novel, Malice, in a few minutes. Uh, do you have a website where people can follow yeah. us? Because it wasn't in the email they sent me. Uh, just my name, LizCroken.com. So okay. it's Liz and C-R-O-K-I-N.com. There you go. And uh, you can find, I, I guess, more about you and everything as well, right? Is the book and, yeah, and all absolutely. that. Yeah, so. absolutely. Cool. Yeah, there's the websites coming up. Okay, so so you moved to LA. You started working here and everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I mean, did you? So, at what point did you realize, hey, I can actually make a living off of writing? I mean, where, did you have to support yourself some other way? Because people imagine you don't make that much. Maybe no. in the beginning, right? Right. In the beginning, I couldn't support myself. Yeah. My parents definitely helped me out. And I mean, it was funny actually when I first got my column. I was on TV. I was on radio, and I was in the newspaper every week with my picture in the paper yeah I still had to work in retail wow. you know and yeah. so I'd, I'd be like I'd, I worked at this clothing you know BB the clothing store yeah. you're familiar with it <laughs> and so I worked at this clothing store and women would walk in they'd be like aren't you that columnist and I'd be like really? yeah Like, and journalists people like don't understand that journalists don't make a lot of money but right. entertainment journalism if you're really good 
you can you can make actually decent money. Really? Yeah. Oh, so well, I definitely cool. got to the point where I was making a good um, good for you, good so, money I mean, for myself. Yeah, because obviously not a lot of people are able to do that. You know, because yeah. uh, it's it's hard to get into. You don't get paid a lot. And what uh, makes somebody really good at entertainment journalism? Um, I, an investigative journalism, period. You know, like my friends made fun of me at first when I did celebrity journalism because they're like, uh, you don't even know any celebrities. Like, they'd be like, hey, did you see that show last night or that new movie? And I'd be like, who? What? <laughs> or my, like my friends would be like, oh my God, Angelina Jolie, this and that. I'd be like, who's Angelina? Like, people, I, like I wasn't obsessed with celebrity culture, but I think that's actually kind of worked toward to my advantage I was obsessed with reporting and investigative journalism I love a challenge and I I love the thrill of like a good story and so you know whether I'm covering you know like a a, a Joe Schmo who you know allegedly murdered his wife or Angelina Jolie you know um involved in some kind of a scandal like to me it's just one and the same but you know all the entertainment magazines care about is if you can break news. Right, exactly. And, 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 and anyone can stand on a red carpet and, and ask, you know, a celebrity questions. Right. What makes you an exceptional entertainment journalist is if you can actually break news. Right, then you can dig in and, and eat deeper than the surface. Exactly. And, and that's why investigative reporters, I imagine, are not very popular. Because no. you get into people's lives and reveal things that they might want to hide that we want to know about. Exactly, you yeah. <laughs> yeah, they run for the hills when they see me coming. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think a person should be prepared for it. When they know they, they're going to be a celebrity or they plan on being one or something, uh, just understand you're living in a glass house, yeah. you know, and you don't have any privacy. Well, that, that's why I get, I get so frustrated when celebrities say, oh, my life's so rough, paparazzi everywhere, and, yeah. you know, reporters following me around. I'm, I want to be like, no, 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 you called us. Mm-hmm. Like, your publicist told us you're going to be at <laughs> Craig's tonight. Right. Uh, hello. Like, <laughs> most of them are totally full of it. Right. Like, a lot of them... No one's a celebrity by accident. Like, have that, you seen Barely Famous? Yeah. No, I on haven't. On VH1, it's hysterical. It's about that basically. Like, I, I, I my, my friends actually have told me about that. It's though. my favorite it. show. I am late to the game, but it's the two Foster daughters, Dave yeah. Foster's daughters, Aaron and Sarah, and they always said they would never do a reality show, mm-hmm. so they're doing a scripted show yeah. about being reality stars. Yep. And so, uh, one of the episodes is about how. Um, Sarah needs publicity and so she has her publicist send a reporter while she's getting gas and like all dressed up <laughs> and so my girlfriend told me about this I haven't seen it yeah and then something crazy actually does happen and she's caught making like terrible faces and like it's not in a favorable light at all and so it's kind of just funny because she asked that reporter to be there and he caught funny right. stuff right yeah that's the thing, and then, and then they'll go on a TV show and be like, "Oh, like I, they just follow me everywhere, and it's so awful." And it's like, you know, and then they get off the show and they're like, "Hey, we got, are you guys gonna be outside?" Like when I walk, I'm about to walk out. Like you know, yeah. like I mean, most celebrities are friends with paparazzi. Uh, yeah. So it's it's just it's funny. It's yeah. You have to build a relationship with them because. You guys run into each other a lot, right? The reporters and the celebrities, you know. Mm-hmm. They probably always see you everywhere and and so forth. So yeah. I would friend them if I were a celebrity. Yeah. I would want yeah. to get on their good side exactly. so that they always write nice things. Well, right. well, that's why some celebrities are foolish. The ones that are just not nice to paparazzi and not nice to journalists are, are just... 
they're, they're just um, digging their own graves. The celebrities that are nice to journalists, and there's a lot of them, they're really smart. I mean, Angelina Jolie, she literally will give a paparazzi guy a ride in her car. Like she, really? she, the way that she manages the media is is brilliant. You know, she's wow. so nice. She she gets that she's a huge star, and she gets that this comes with that price. That, right, you know, exactly. um, that you pay for being a, a big celebrity. So instead of fighting with them, like like Jennifer Aniston does, she kind of will try to fight with them and try to sneak around and avoid them. She works with them, and so she'll have her bodyguard come out and be like, "Okay, here's the deal." Um, we know you guys want a shot. You know, we're in town filming this movie. We get it. Respect the children. Don't get your lenses too close to them. We'll give you your shot. You know, in a few hours, we're going to go to this store. And they go, cool. And, and, and then we'll leave and go home, you know? Mm-hmm. And, 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 it, and she's so smart to do that because yeah. it just, you know, makes her life easier and the paparazzi's life easier. And, you know, they're going to follow you. They want to shop. It, that's inevitable. But if you work with them, then they're going to get their shot, and then they're going to go home. Exactly. That, you At know? least you can show them the, the side that you want them right. to see. Right. You control the story. Right. Which exactly. is, like, you know, yeah. marketing and number you one. Them. And, you know, I'm friends, you know, I'm friends with a lot of celebrities, and it's really worked out in their, you know, a lot. some celebrities are like, oh, stay away from me, or tablet reporter, but... The fr- people I am, the celebrities I am friends with, a I've I've never screwed anyone over. You know, I've never been sued on a story. Knock on wood, which is you know, pretty unheard of considering. Really? You know, I mean, yeah. and um, the people, the celebrities I am friends with, if something crazy does come out about them, then I work with them to, you know, get help them get their version of whatever yeah, the scandal is yeah. out. So yeah. It's it's just always smarter to kind of try to work with people than yeah. to to fight the the inevitable. Yeah, very cool. So um, let's uh, switch gears a little bit. And you had uh, health issues as well, right, in your yeah. life. And do you want to discuss this too? Because sure. it was part of the press release. Absolutely. Everything. So tell us a little bit about that. What is that about? And because you've become. Um, an activist on, yeah. on behalf of of, uh, of your affliction and everything. So let's hear a little bit about that. So in 2012, I was working um, as a senior editor at Star Magazine, and my life was great. I was making six figures. I lived wow. in a... Wow, as a writer? Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, I was a, technically an editor, but yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I was making you know, six figures. I was living in this luxury apartment in Hollywood. I was single. I was healthy. You know, I, I had, I had a great life. I had good friends. I had a great social life. I got to go to these fabulous red carpets, um, for my job and travel the world. Um, everything was going great. And except I was single, but I was, I was okay being single. I wasn't in, in, in a rush to be in a relationship or to settle down. I was pretty focused on my career. Um, but I, I met a guy that swept me off my feet. Yeah. And we had a whirlwind romance. I fell deeply in love with him. And we got pretty serious pretty fast. And about six months into our relationship, I got very ill. Very ill. And initially, I thought that I had um, a urinary tract infection or a yeast infection. Um, and I went to the doctor, got medicine for these infections. And sure enough, um, the medicine only seemed to exasperate the situation. My medical condition went from bad to worse. 
I had talked to the guy I was dating and I had asked him if he had any STDs, you know, from the beginning. He told me no. And, you know, this is someone that I would that I was believed I was in a um, right. monogamous but, relationship. Why did you suspect STD? Uh, because. Of all things? Because I, my symptoms were, I mean, vaginal. Okay. All right. <laughs> I, I know I you're dying to hear that word. Okay. Um, but, but they were vaginal. And when the, the medicine I was taking for yeast infection and UTI wasn't working, that was the only other thing it could be. You're right. Um, wow. Aside from a urinary tract infection that had spread to my kidneys, which initially was a possibility that was eventually ruled out. Right. So long story short... I my condition got got worse and worse and worse, but I didn't think I had an, I had an STD because my boyfriend at the time told me he didn't have anything. So I didn't you know think I didn't even, and he was the only guy I'd slept with in over a year. So I didn't even really think that that was something that I needed to consider right. uh, foolishly. Um, and so sure enough, I ended up going to a clinic. And with my boyfriend, he at the clinic, he told the doctors he didn't have anything. Blah blah blah. The, 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 the doctor was like, "I think you might have chlamydia or UTI that traveled up to your kidneys." And I, we happened to be out of town at the time, so he's like, "I'm just going to treat you for this." And I didn't have insurance because I just switched jobs, so I didn't get tested for any STDs at this point. Um, the next day, I, I got way more sick I, I we were driving home from San Francisco I was driving and I was swerving in out of lanes I was slurring my speech I was dizzy I got fever like back and neck pain chills blah 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 the next day I ended up in the emergency room and it turned out that I that I tested positive for meningitis and my emergency room doctor said to me could you have an STD? Because an STD can trigger meningitis. And I said, well, I asked my boyfriend, he said, he doesn't have anything and I haven't slept with anyone else. And he's like, honey, he's like, yeah, this is Hollywood. Like I need to call him. Like what's his number? Because like I've seen it all like trannies and like, you know, you think you're, like got your husband or your boyfriend straight and literally know they're sleeping with a tranny or like, I'm like, what? And, And just to hear him say that kind of like freaked me out. So anyways, he called him. My boyfriend said, nope, don't have anything, blah, blah, blah. Sure enough, we later found out that I had herpes. And the kind of meningitis I had was herpes meningitis. I initially tested negative for the herpes, but positive for meningitis because I had just been exposed and infected. Mm. And when you have just been exposed... and or infected with an STD, you can you can get you can have a false test result. So my test results were negative um, because the antibodies were still forming. Mm. So it wasn't until later that we found out that I indeed had a form of herpes. And then after you know, as time went on, we did more and more testing, and we found out we were able to narrow down what kind of herpes I had, and it was general herpes. And guess what? You only get general herpes from having sex. There's right. no other way that you can get it. And we were even able to narrow down exactly the time period that I was infected with this. Right. So it turned out that um, my ex gave me herpes meningitis, which is a crime in most states. And it is a That's crime. It's true if they know, right? If yes. they know they have something, which most yes. people do. Yes. And, you know, I was in denial. I was in love with this man. We were talking marriage. So I'm thinking, oh, he doesn't know he has it. But, you know, something in the back of my head 
told me, call his ex-wife. And sure enough, I called his ex-wife, told her what happened to me. And she said, oh, he, he didn't tell you he's had that? She's like, he's had that for two decades. He gave it wow. to me. Uh, he gave it to a mistress in London. So he knew. And, and she told me he was actively taking medicine for it. Um, so, and, you know, getting the STD and the meningitis, and then it spread to meningoencephalitis, which is a potentially fatal disease, has left me with brain damage to this day. Wow. So my life went from amazing to I hit, like, the lowest form of rock bottom you could imagine. And and on top of that, it's devastating to find out he cheated on you. Oh, right. Unbelievable. I mean, the emotional and physical... I I don't even know what was worse, the emotional or physical pain. Probably the emotional. Right. But I... I mean, having... And because my treatment was delayed, it, and it was delayed because I, my initial test results weren't positive for herpes, right. and it, it was delayed because he said, "No, I don't have this." So my doctors thought, "Okay, then it's probably it's probably not herpes meningitis." If you do have herpes meningitis or syphilis meningitis, you need to be taking a, a drug called acyclovir immediately to prevent brain damage. That was delayed, so my brain damage is is really bad. I mean, initially, wow. I couldn't even read and write. It was like having a stroke. It was awful. I had a, I lost my job. I went into medical debt. I, I, I still live in a welfare apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, I went on disability. My parents had to take care of me. I mean, I went from being be at the top of my game to the lowest you could go. And then I had to deal with, you know, the brain damage, all the neurological issues. You know, I have photophobia, which is an extreme sensitivity to light. I have memory issues. I, I have a headache every day. Wow. Every single day of my life, it's, it's it's never a question. It's just a question of how bad is it going to be. Wow! I still have to sleep twelve hours a night. It's ridiculous. Um, it's I mean I could go on and on. And then right. a year, and then a year after I got sick, once I started really realizing that not this happened to me because of someone committed sexual assault against me, that's when the PTSD started to kick in, and that was a whole new hell, wow. you know. So during this time, I thought, okay, I've lost everything. I can't work. Like, what am I supposed to do with my life? And I'd always wanted to write a book. I never thought that this would be my story. (laughs) But I was like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do brain exercises. I'm going to try to restore my brain. And I'm going to, when I'm having a good day, my neurological symptoms aren't that bad. And I'm not having horrible migraines. I'm going to write as much as I can. So these past two years, I worked my butt off working on this book. And it, Malice is a political romantic thriller inspired by true events in my life. It, it is fic- fiction, but it, it, it's inspired by true events. And it's about a tabloid journalist who is covering a scandalous story involving um, the Republican presidential nominee's alleged affair with a prostitute. Okay. And as she's covering this crazy story, she has to hang out with this Prostitute. She has a sleepover with her. Um, <laughs> but she feels that her life's in danger. She's being followed by um, secret police. Her hotel room gets broken into. Um, and as this story is unfolding, she's falling in love with this Orange County, you know, Christian Grey billionaire type of guy, right? So right before the story is about to break involving this Republican presidential candidate and the prostitute, she finds herself in the emergency room with a deadly case of meningitis. Wow. <laughs> and in the book, she yeah. thinks, oh my gosh, like I was poisoned by the secret police. They tried to knock me off so the story wouldn't come out. So, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot going on there. And, um, and because I have a background in politics and because I've covered politicians for my job as well as celebrities, malice is 
completely inspired by those political experiences as right. well, shall we say. And, and I think the, the best writing happens when, uh, when you draw on your own experience, right? Ab- absolutely. Yeah. And now, so let me ask you this. Uh, you said this is the first novel you've written, mm-hmm. right? Is it the first create, creative piece that you've written, or have you written like essays, uh, whatever stories? Um, I, you know, short I short stories. It, I think it kind of is. I I have been contributing to Elite Daily. And I love that place. It's, that, it's uh, the most amazing. It? I read everything. They have mm. just like the coolest stories, like like. You know, a lot of like stories that are kind of like, you know, I actually I wrote one that was like something along the lines of like, you know, ten signs that you your your ex or your boyfriend's cheating on you. <laughs> Obviously, that was written from experience. Um, <laughs> but they have so many, or like they have so many great stories about love or romance, like ten ways you know your man's like your soulmate or right. the guy's marriage material. So that for me, that was I mean that was not really creative writing, but that was different than just writing it you right. know a tabloid journalist story so for me that's been fun right. but yeah this kind of you know aside from from writing things in college and high school i i don't think i have done really? much creative writing except for this book so yeah so now i mean you, your story is good enough to be like a biography or non-fiction mm-hmm. book what made you decide to actually put it in a novel form i initially wrote it as an autobiography and um I had some publishers tell me that because of the high-profile people that I was writing about, they were worried. They thought it was a great read. It was a hot book. They were worried about um, lawsuits. And in addition to that, I am pursuing criminal and civil charges against my ex for the sexual assault he committed against me. And I just felt that it would be easier to write it as a f- um, for my case for, for my you know, purposes of my case um, to write this as fiction right. you know if this was 10 years from now my case was over then you know I wouldn't care of course right. it'd be non-fiction exactly. and I you know I, I, I don't have much interest in protecting my ex or right. <laughs> certain celebrities or whatever in this book but at the same point in time you know, because there's an ongoing lawsuit, it, it, it just yeah, you just seemed like it. the right thing to do, and right. and you know, I, I this way I could have more fun with it, and I think the readers That's have true. more fun with it. Yeah, you know, the feedback I'm getting from people, I just my phone goes off at all hours of the night. Really? Complete strangers around the world, they're like, <laughs> oh my god, is this part true? Which parts is, is this character based on this celebrity, and is this person this politician? And and I think it's more fun this way because it's kind of like a game, like okay, well, what's true, what's not true, and and people. Tell Tell me that as we're reading my book, they'll go on social media. Like, I'll, like I wrote a, um, about a scene when I'm in first in the hospital, and I'm, I'm on all these drugs, and my brain is so damaged. I'm just, I'm like Britney Spears when she was having her meltdown. Like, <laughs> like totally have no, like no comprehension of how serious my situation is. So I'm in the hospital, literally dying of meningitis, and my best friend's there, and I'm like, oh my god, let's take some pictures to, you know. Post on social media, like, woohoo, peace sign. And I'm like, throwing the peace sign, like, in the hospital. Like, like here I've just been diagnosed with this, like, potentially fatal disease. And I'm like, let's, like, upload this to Facebook, LOL. 
Like, you know, and so in this part of my book, so many people tell me, oh my God, as soon as I got to that part of your book, like the first thing I did was go on social media and find that picture. And then I found it and I couldn't believe it, you know? And so it's kind of, I think it's kind of cool that it's fiction because people get to wonder what's true and what, what's not true. true. And, it, and there is a lot of sex. I mean, yeah. out, and, it's, and it's pretty raw. I'm going to warn is, you. Okay. But in terms of the sex stuff, you know, when my parents read it, I can say, oh, yeah, like, that's all fiction. Like, I, exactly. Like, you know? yeah. it's like, I don't know anything about that. I don't know where just, that came from. So. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> that's funny. We're, we're talking to Liz Kroken. You guys can find out more about her at LizKroken.com. That's L-I-Z-C-R-O-K-I-N.com. And you can find out more about the book Malice. Um so did you just complete the book? How long ago did you actually complete it? Um, it took me writing, between writing and editing, it took a full two years. Mm. Um, but that's with brain damage. So uh. I, 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 I imagine if I didn't have brain damage, my brain, my brain is, is constantly re- recovering. When you have a brain injury, it takes years for your brain to recover, but really? it can yeah. recover. The brain is amazing, and it has an amazing way of restoring itself. Um, but I, I think I hope my next book won't take that long since my brain is has healed more. Right. But yeah, it, it is a lot of work. I had no idea how much work it would be. Um, right. It was painful. Um, yeah. Did you publish yourself, or do you have a publisher? I did. I sell. I technically self published it through Create Space, but I had a company called Hollywood and Vine Books that I teamed up with that assisted with that process, and they helped with the cover and like some of the PR stuff. Um, so, and I did have some publishers interested and I actually still haven't sent them the final draft. Yeah. Um, and I had some literary agents interested. I didn't feel that anyone was the right match. And because of my background in media, I felt that I didn't need to hire a literary agent to promote this book because I felt that I could do it better and that I had probably better context to promote it than, you know, a lot of these literary agents and it just didn't feel right to go with a publisher or a literary agent um, and so far it's doing really well but that doesn't mean that down the road I won't team up with a publisher to you know mass produce it um, and sell it internationally so we'll see and it, for some authors it's it's the right thing to do but for some authors it's not like yeah. some authors are way more successful by self-publishing you know, um, you know, with the with the internet and the way that technology has improved, it's you don't need to do things traditional ways anymore. You know, and most people these days don't get book deals until they've self published first. Really, yeah. If you look at the something. biggest authors, I mean, Fifty Shades of Grey. You know, yeah, um, self published. She was, you know, she was writing on fan fiction sites and. I, th- I believe she technically self-published first, and a lot of these people self-published first. Right. So, yeah. So now, uh, quickly, we only have a couple minutes left, but oh. I wanted to ask you. Um, so, what he did is criminal. Mm-hmm. It is. So, is he being? Uh, I mean, is he being charged with anything? Or it's still at the city what? attorney's office in LA. The district attorney in Orange County. Disc- um, like decline the case which right. I was furious about I, 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 we, I don't have enough time in the world to talk about the Orange County right. um, detectives I dealt with they try to tell me what happened to me wasn't a crime and my lawyer had to school them and the California laws which was pathetic uh, considering yeah. that they're sex crimes detectives 
Um, so my my criminal case is ongoing, and my civil case um, we're in the deposition process right now. Unfortunately, because even though what happened to me is a life threatening disease, there's not laws in place for it to be a felony. As of right now, it's only a misdemeanor. If you if you if you find though a good prosecutor, they can find a way to charge it as a form of battery. Right. But currently, the only laws that um, charge people, sexual predators, with infecting people with a life-threatening disease cover only AIDS and HIV. So my lawyer and I are working to change that. Yeah. So. Very interesting stuff. I mean, you know, practically he ruined your life and Mm -hmm. you recovered Mm -hmm. and you seem strong. I mean, does it seem to you like she's got any problems with her brain? Not at all. I mean, you've you've made an incredible recovery, you know, and and good for you. And and, uh, I salute you for going after him, you know, and hopefully maybe you can do a civil suit as well and get yeah, that's somehow. oh, that's what we're doing. Yeah, and you know, I and I, I, I came out about this and came like went public about this because I want, you know, I know that herpes has a horrible stigma. It's embarrassing. There's so much shame with it, it but it's very common, mm. and I want to empower other people, especially women, to seek justice if this has happened to you if yeah. you have you know gotten an std from someone if you've been raped if someone's committed sexual assault from you like there's so many people that are afraid to come forward yeah. because they're not taken seriously you know made by cops which happened to me by the way and i went in with there with a lawyer right um the mil- military too i think a lot of uh, a lot of military stuff they they ignore the women that complain yeah. about sexual assault oh, it, it's it's un- it's unbelievable yeah. and i didn't realize how bad it was until I came out about this. I, right. I get messages from people all over the world. So I hope that, you know, people look at this, at, at me and my situation. Someone asked me, oh, what, do you worry that people are going to think that you're just trying to seek revenge? And I'm like, I, I'm trying to seek justice. Yeah. This person, yeah. like, destroyed my life and committed a crime against me. Like, right. this revenge would be, you know, like, like cutting off his penis. What, what was that, Lorraine? Yeah. On it, like I'm, I'm going through the legal channels of the law to get justice for what this person did to me. Right. And anyone that's had a crime committed against them, especially if it's been a sexual assault, should do the same thing. And I hope that my story empowers people and you know and encourages them to speak out because right. this behavior is unacceptable. Right. And it's not okay. And don't be ashamed to come out and right. everything because it's. Uh, I think it's a shame if you don't do anything and. And your life is ruined. You know? Yeah, so, and, you know. and by the way, since my story's gone public, we found out we've been contacted by over a dozen women who have been infected with various forms of diseases from my ex for decades. Wow. And I, yeah, I'm the first person to come out and actually do something about it. Yeah. So if, imagine if someone 20 years ago would have done something. Yeah. I wouldn't be sitting here today with brain damage. Right, right. exactly. So is a, a serial offender. Oh, much. without a doubt. Yeah. Liz Crokin, everybody check it out. Again, LizCroken.com. You can find out about her story. Get the book, Malice. Uh, can... Uh, is the book available in bookstores? Or it's available on Am- Amazon.com, and it just got available on BarnesandNobles.com, too. Awesome. So, yeah. Yeah, everybody get it. Uh, if nothing else, there's a lot of sex in it, and uh, we know you people love sex because somebody <laughs> had to have bought Fifty Shades of Grey. Right. Right? <laughs> Liz, thank you so much for thank joining Thank you so us. much, guys, for having me. Of course. Much success with the book. Let us know how it turns out. I will, out. absolutely. And, um, yeah, much success to you. Thanks, we guys. We salute you for the courage. Can't wait to read it. Yeah. It all right, everybody. Thank you all for joining us. Jen, thank you. Have thank a you. great day, and we'll see everybody tomorrow. 
You're listening to Sam in the Morning with Jen, right here on LA Talk Radio.